thank you everyone for coming and joining me here on the high ground podcast um i am super excited to have everyone because we're talking about rogue one and uh you know we we have uh, uh boy flow ducks here um alex as well as uh, larissa which is uh sunflower stardust and does a lot of awesome um jen urso cosplay and like spot on you know like it's it's so good and also the, the videos and stuff uh so yeah i love talking to people about the parts of star wars that they love specifically so wanted to jump into rogue one um and just point up my chat here because i do have uh quite a few people from tiktok joining us here in the chat nice so when they pop up questions i'll let you guys know but yeah, let's let's get started. I'm I'm curious of you know if you guys have, because this is was a brand new experience, right? We've never had. Um, I mean, there was a theatrical release for the Clone Wars movie. Uh, it wasn't quite, <laughs> it wasn't quite the same, you know. Um, so this is kind of a, a brand new experience. So I, I'm curious, like, you know, how this was the first time you saw it. If if you have a story behind that. Um, also, you know, where does it rank uh, for you? But yeah. As well as tell us, you know, who you are and how you got into Star Wars. Hope that's not too much, but um, I'll start with uh, with Alex. Yeah, for sure. Um, how's it going? I'm Alex. I actually found my man on TikTok, reached out to him. We kind of got that connection with Star Wars going and invited me on the podcast. So once again, thank you for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, Star Wars, man. Um, Star Wars has been a huge part of my life. It has been since I was a kid. And once I got that rhythm of literally seeing every film, I kind of continued that on with the prequels. And then once um, Force Awakens came out, I hopped on at day one. And then when I heard Disney was doing a film every year, and I heard Rogue One was going to be the next one, it's going to be set in that original trilogy area, I was, I was beyond hyped because we get to relive that original feeling again. Now, mm-hmm. granted, before seeing it, I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew... OT, we get a little bit of Vader because we saw him in the trailer, and I, I was hyped. I was truly hyped. I saw this movie probably around like six times in theaters, back to back to back to back. <laughs> um, awesome. All different people. Loved it, loved it. First time seeing it, amazing. Kind of blew my mind because when I walked out of the theater, I just kind of had that jaw drop, like, what did I just watch? That was, that was Star Wars. That was the Star Wars I remember growing up watching. Not to say that Force Awakens wasn't, it was just a different feel of a Star Wars. This felt like home. This felt mm-hmm. like going to your grandmother's house, getting that batch of cookies on Christmas Eve, <laughs> like that type of feeling. So I loved it. I loved it. Um, so that is my experience with Rogue One, and I truly love it. Ranking-wise, at least, I want to say top three. Um, okay. If we're talking Clone Wars, Clone Wars for sure number one. Then we're talking about uh, number three and then Rogue One. But if we're just taking just the movies one through nine, plus, of course, Solo and Rogue One, Rogue One has probably got to be second and then number three for my first. Awesome. Well, that's that's, that's totally cool. Um, I, like I said, love talking to people that love things, and that's why, that's, that's why we're here. Um, uh, Larissa, how about you? Yeah, so... Hey everyone, I'm Larissa. Uh, I got into Star Wars. I saw the original trilogy as a kid and I got really into it and then kind of fell out of it for a while. And then when Disney started making these new movies, I got really excited and back into it. 
And then my husband actually saw Rogue One without me on opening night. <laughs> His work was doing a special thing in a different state. And so he went and did that. But he said, man, it's really good. Um, and so then we went like the day he got back, I think we went like the next day. And I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really follow the trailer and drama with the rewrite. So I didn't mm -hmm. know all of that going into it. But then I, I saw it and I was a little lost at times for the first half. Um, but then towards the end, I was completely bought in, so <laughs> to speak, because you're surrounded with this production design and these costumes. And it feels like you're back in A New Hope. It feels like you're back at that battle at the Death Star. And seeing that original footage we used was like yeah. just perfect. Um, I, I would say that I've come to appreciate it more every time I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, I I got the I have the privilege of um so I moved to I live in San Diego right now, right? And I moved away from basically my family and everyone. Um made a bunch of new friends and stuff down here, but I had the privilege of being the nerdiest guy in the group, meaning I got to see this multiple times with different groups of people and like nice. see their responses and stuff like that. So that, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun for me. Um, I mean, I've I've been into Star Wars from from day one. I'd stopped for a bit, but um, when I was uh, had a job where I was doing manual labor, had headphones on all the time, started listening to Star Wars audiobooks, and basically consumed as much as possible, like a, a horrifying amount. Like <laughs> my computer right. has over like three hundred gigs of Star Wars like books and audiobooks and stuff. Um <laughs> so I ended up catching up and so I, I still, you know, I headed them up. Uh but now for me it's just a once a uh once a month type deal. But um yeah, you know, I'm I've been in this for the long haul and I've met some of the most amazing people because of our mutual love of the Star Wars fandom. So that's why why I'm doing this here. Um, yeah, I wanted to jump into your guys' favorite characters and, sure. and character moments. Um, also, I totally neglected to put this on, but um, for the first time we've ever seen in the you know, kind of book ending this film, we had uh, Grand Moff Tarkin recreated as well right. as we had Princess Leia recreated. I'm curious what your thoughts on that was um, and how, you know, how, how it did um, for you guys. I'll start with uh, Alyssa, uh, Larissa. Okay, so you want to answer that question or the favorite characters question first? Um, yeah, actually tell us about the, uh, the uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the CGI characters first yeah, and, then, okay. and then we'll get favorite characters. Uh, I was stunned at the ending with Leia and I was kind of surprised at Tarkin as well. In terms of technicality, it's not the best. I don't know why it's not the best because they do it so well in the Marvel movies. So I don't know why maybe they didn't have enough time to finish it. I know that that was an issue with finishing this film, but that is my defense. Yeah. <laughs> and also real quick, just a heads up. Um, your hair is like in the mic. So I, I can I okay. hear it kind of moving around. So it's, it's, it's cool. Just a, a heads up. But um, yeah. And then for favorite characters and like any character specific moments. Um, yeah, so Jin is obviously my favorite because she's not a Jedi, she's not royalty, she's just a badass, strong woman that's getting it done, even though throughout the movie people are, like, disparaging her, disparaging her father, but she just gets it done and she saves the galaxy that we all know and love. 
And yeah. uh, I also really like Krennic. Um, I think he's got kind of a different kind of tragic story because he's just a guy that's trying to get ahead and he's working for the Death Star or mm -hmm. he's working on building the Death Star for years and then he just gets foiled at the end by Tarkin and then of course his design kills him. <laughs> so I, I do love Tarkin's story as well. Yeah, it's it's really tragic. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, Alex, your thoughts on it? Yeah, so when it first came out, I know there was this big controversy between whether or not it should or should not be allowed. I personally thought it was okay because it was really commemorating those two iconic characters, um, especially Leia. And Leia is, I feel like you just can't have an OT story without Leia. That's just, mm -hmm. you can't do it. You can't do it. Um, I love Tarkin in this movie as well. So getting to see Tarkin again in all his glory, all his action, getting to see pretty much how he really just commands respect like he kind of does in the books and some of the movies like he did in the uh, original film with Vader. Uh, I love seeing it again. Fantastic. I wish a little bit more, we had a little bit more Leia toward the end. I really wish we kind of saw a little bit more of her. We just got that one line of hope, which was fantastic. Great, great way to end it. But I wish we just got a tiny bit more Leia toward the end. I mean, she's probably one of my top favorite Star Wars characters too. Yeah. So just to me, it was a little more sentimental because of course um, I saw the original trilogy when I was a kid. My parents took me to re-release it in theaters, getting to see Leia and really having that like sentimental connection with her it really it, like i said it was one of those feel good bring home movies so liked it uh for favorite characters i have three uh jen for sure i love jen um the entire movie she was just amazing krennic for sure he, he was like a different type of imperial which i really liked and mm -hmm. of course uh my guy k2so just comedic genius <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i i'm very happy you brought up k2 because I, I was like I, I can't be the only one uh, <laughs> um but yeah i i, I completely agree because um i mean k2 k2 is, is is my guy like to have his um that be you know faulty programming due to rewiring him from being an imperial droid um, it's just an, an excellent, like, you know, plot device to give him such a unique personality. Um, and uh, why, why am I blanking on the name of the actor? But I just, I love him. In, oh, Alan in Tudyk? Every, yes, yes, uh, Alan Tudyk. I love him in everything, right? I'm a big yeah. Firefly fan and um, everything he touches, you know, you know, when when he he shows up as uh, Alpha in um, in Dollhouse, um, and like just yeah, just random stuff. I just, I love everything he he does. Um, and then you know, like you guys brought up uh, Krennic, where he is a different type of interior uh, Imperial, where he is, you know, he's more or less a dude trying to just trying to advance and trying to to move forward, um, and he is. I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of, uh, he is what the empire is. You know, we see these people who are very unique cases all throughout star Wars, you know, Vader and Luke and all these people. Um, whereas Krennic is the byproduct of the system that was created by the empire. And you can see how corrupt that is where he, like, he doesn't care. He's just trying to, he's just trying to get on and, and do, do his thing. Um, uh, random question. Did anyone jump into either novels of uh, Catalyst or um, Rebel Rising? Just yes. out of curiosity. Not me. Yeah. No. No. I read both. Awesome. 
Um, real quick, actually, I, I'd like to, to get your, your thoughts on them. Um, so and for anyone that doesn't know, um, Catalyst is uh, like is a, is a prequel. It's um, Galen Erso as a scientist, uh, you know, developing his technology. It takes place well before it. Most of it, Jen isn't even born yet. So it's just really the story of Galen Erso and Krennic, uh, and you get to see kind of their conflict and their relationship, you know, growing up through the Empire. And then Rebel Rising is a story on Jen Erso specifically, from the time that she gets rescued at the very beginning of the film until you find her in prison when the movie starts. And um, just, just curious your thoughts on them, uh, Larissa. I think Catalyst, if you like Rogue One, uh, Alex, I highly, highly recommend Catalyst. Um, I, I feel like it's a similar tone to the movie that Rogue One is. And I just love all the backstory that you get with uh, Krennic and Galen and Lyra. Um, you really do learn a lot. And then you learn where they all were when like order 66 was going down like that is pretty cool um rebel rising i did not care for as much i don't know if it's because it's geared at uh like teenagers maybe um it's a young adult title yeah young adult yeah so and, and there were a few inconsistencies with like who Jin is and that book um probably my least favorite is when they're talking about how to get through the shield gate down at the scarif and they're trying to explain to Jin that the codes won't work. But like in Rebel Rising, you know, like they set up that that's what she did is write those false codes or whatever. So she would have known yeah. that in the movies so anyway. So those little things, um, <laughs> as well as the love story, I didn't much care for in Rebel Rising. <laughs> but I love Catalyst. Okay. No, that's, that's fair. I mean, well, James Lucina wrote Catalyst and he's one of my like top tier for me. Very informational. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's like you said, there's some good nuggets. I, I think the best things that came out of it was backstory on um, Saw Gerrera, personally. For, for oh, yeah, Rebel yeah. Rising. Yeah, yeah. You actually get to see some horrible things that he does uh, in the name of it. And actually, he says, one of his quotes was, fear controls the masses, the empire controls fear. You know, if we can tap into that, then, then we can control the masses and bring peace. And you're like, no, you don't you know you, you don't become the enemy that you're trying to defeat that's it's not a good idea um but yeah so we got all the you know preamble and stuff down we'll jump into the first act uh so kind of the first act of the film um at least as as i see it is from the um you know opening not opening crawl because we didn't get an opening crawl which uh, I actually really enjoyed because I was expecting one and just kind of threw yeah. me into this world. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, from, from that point until the, the destruction of, of Jedha, I, I want to hear what kind of jumps out to you guys. Um, uh, start with Alex. For sure. I quickly want to talk about the opening crawl. Um, mm -hmm. I know that's not really my theoretical like, favorite part, but that's the first time we ever see a movie in Star Wars without an opening crawl. To me, that was kind of shocking because I'm like, yeah. are, we, are we in a film? Are we in a Star Wars film? Where's the crawl? So to me, that was kind of groundbreaking. Um, probably favorite two scenes that I want to have is the first shot we see of the Death Star. The only reason why is because we actually get to see what true scale is like in a film. Now, we get to see, of course, Star Destroyers, TIE Fighters, X-Wings, etc. But we never really get to see a size comparison of how big is that TIE Fighter compared to that X-Wing? How big is that TIE Fighter compared to a Star Destroyer? And this time, you get to see the TIE Fighter compared to a Star Destroyer compared to the Death Star and like actual scale. And that really put in perception of how big these ships or these yeah. stations actually truly are. And to me, that was just kind of like mind-blowing. 
because we never really got to see that in the original film or even the prequels. So to me, that really kind of put into perspective of rewatching all the other films of, hey, that's a huge ship. That is massive. Like to me, that was kind of groundbreaking. Uh, probably my second, of course, the shirt fight on um, Edu when he was just <laughs> knocking around stormtroopers with this stick. He's, he's amazing. I love that scene. It was comedic. It was fun. It was action-packed. It was literally everything in one. Yeah. He's, he's such a cool character. And yeah, I, I love him, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to me. Uh, I, real quick, though, the scene you're talking about showing scale, um, this, this film, it's, it's between this and, and The Last Jedi, in my opinion, for, uh, for cinematography. Because there is just some beautiful scenes. And if I'm not mistaken, you're specifically talking about the scene where you see the Star Destroyer and then a shadow slowly yeah. coming mm-hmm. over it. It's such yeah. a beautiful shot that, I don't know, that, that lives in my mind rent-free Agreed. all the time. <laughs> I was re-watching it and I just had the positive stare at it for a quick second. Yeah, it's, it's just gorgeous. <laughs> uh, Larissa, your thoughts on it? The first act here? Yeah, yeah. Uh seeing Yevon 4 in the hangar and just seeing more of that and seeing Mon Mothma again, seeing Bail Organa again and kind of reminded me of the deleted scene from Revenge of the Sith, just seeing like, oh, these guys are the ones that created this rebellion and they have this whole uh, army now. So mm-hmm. I love um, seeing more of Yevon 4. And then my second favorite scene is probably when they're watching the cargo leave Jetta City um, and Cassian is just, he digs a gin. Uh, oh yeah, this is going on because of your old friend Saw Gerrera. And then uh, K2 comes in and he's like, yeah, that weapon your father's building. You know, they're like <laughs> giving her a hard time for being who she is, even though she has no control over either one of those people. Um, so those two things stood out to me. Yeah, that's like, uh, it's funny because that's like the antithesis of, of Star Wars where there's all these people fighting for their legacies. Yeah. You know, and she's she's fighting against it. Um for <laughs> so it wasn't until I, I read Rebel Rising that I realized that uh, Jen was going under an assumed name of uh, Liana mm-hmm. Halleck. Mm-hmm. So when I watched the movie and they bust onto the the transport ship and he's just like Liana Halleck, I was like, the hell is he talking? <laughs> so for some reason, I think about that that scene a lot. But um, uh, that that first introduction that we get to to K two again, where she tries to jump out of ship, and he just like palms or slams her on the ground. Um, I, I think about that a lot as well, especially when I play Jedi Fallen Order, and that happens to me all of the time in that game. I don't know why I just have trouble fighting that particular type of droid, but um, in, in addition to that, um, I also really enjoy the. Um, he, the the scenes the scenes with with Charit because you know his from his introduction you knew that there was something special about him. Um, he instantly picked up on that uh, the Kyber crystal necklace that that Jim was wearing, and so you know that he is he feels the force, but at this point in time you don't know how strong it is or kind of what his deal is. You know he's not a Jedi, uh, but he just has some. He also has just great humor moments, you know, when they, they blindfold him to take him in and he's like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> what, am, what am I going <laughs> to... Um, I, I have nightmares about Borg Gullet uh, still. <laughs> so I did want to get your opinion on something. So sure, yeah. The hallway scene, we got 
Um, we got my guy Cassian running from the troopers, murdering a guy, a rebel murdering a guy. To me, this really played on the morality of instead of it black and white, this movie really kind of touched on kind of the gray middle. Uh, yeah. There isn't always a good guy and there isn't always a bad guy. Sometimes you kind of do questionable things because I would love your opinion on that one specific scene. Remember where the guy was like, hey, I don't know if I can get out of here. But then he goes, no, it's okay. You'll be all right. And he shoots him. Yeah, I that scene is as well. I mean, like you said, it, it's there's just a lot of gray areas there because, you know, if that guy got caught, they would absolutely be able to get the information out of them and then the whole thing would be lost. So what, where is the line? Where, where do you draw it? We, you know, we hear that Saul Guerrero is this extremist, too extreme for them, but, you know, what is, uh, again, where is, where is that line? Um, I thought that was an interesting way because it showed his character right from the very, like, get-go because that's the first time we see him. But, uh, yeah, Larissa, what do you think about that, that moment? Um, I, ca- I liked that it, it's darker and doesn't portray the good guys as always being the good guys. Uh, that you have to make hard choices sometimes. I, I just think that reflects more in real life. Maybe it's more relatable. Obviously, no one's killing anybody <laughs> like that. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, it's, it, it stands to reason because, you know, I mean, if we, we live here in the U.S. The U.S. dropped atomic bombs. Was that the right choice? Was that wrong choice did that prevent yeah. more did it uh, it's that's one of the things i've always loved about star wars is because it touches on just like all good fi- uh, great fiction it touches on the things that we deal with in our daily lives but it does so in a way that is not polarizing and while there are inspirations taken from specific locations and, and places and for factions um none of it is a truly one-to-one ratio where it makes us question the action and not the, the actual people in, involved. Um, but, but yeah, I, I really enjoy it myself. Um, but yeah, so then, then we kind of jump to the, the second act uh, where, oh, actually, no, I, I have to ask your, your thoughts because this is the first time we saw them use you know a single reactor and fire the Death Star at Jetta, and we see the level of destruction and the uh, yeah, we're going to have a bad time if we don't get out of here. Um, and yeah, I, I just got to hear you guys' thoughts on, on that. And I'll, I'll start with uh, Larissa. I want to know how they knew it was going to work. Like, was there another test before that test? Or was that true? You know, <laughs> I think they, they set up the test the first time. But, um, but yeah, just to, that they had the control to be able to just level a city and that they have it that dialed in is pretty scary. Um, it makes you wonder how much more they could do than just a, a planet. Like, could they do multiple? Maybe not, but like just the, the scale of the weapon was really well done. Yeah, and being able to see it from the ground. Um, Alex, your, your thoughts on it? For sure. Um, kind of to touch upon um, what she said, but a little, a little bit different. So definitely the whole scaling, for sure. But to me, coming from a ground level, seeing a massive moon-like object appear out of nowhere, shoot a beam, level a city, it was incredible. But at the same time, I'm also thinking, 
is there a way for them to actually either minimize destruction or maximize that destruction from just that single single reactor? I know they dialed into Jetta City, they, they leveled it, but I'm also kind of curious too, is there a way to even minimize the destruction? Because I understand why they do that. But let's just say hypothetically, they wanted to target Yavin base. That's all they wanted to do. Would you say that would have been a remote possibility? Like, do you think it had gotten even smaller than that? Because do we do we actually know how precise that laser can be? That's a good question. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's it's like a, from what we've seen, it's swatting a fly with a bazooka. Um, but could they dial it in even more? Probably. I, knowing Palpatine, he's probably going for maximum destruction, though. You know, sure. it's a let's let's send him a, a message type deal. You kind of see that a little bit on Scarif when they destroy that base. That's right. a little more dialed in. Yeah. Um, and then uh, then we jump to the second act, right? So they, they come back from from the destruction of, of Jeddah. Um, Jen has this message that she's trying to share, and that's when she you know is meeting everyone there, and everyone's still giving her the side eye because of because of who she is. Uh, from that point until they, you know, go on the mission to, to try and save Galen Urso. <laughs> um, I want to hear your guys' uh, thoughts and what kind of jumps out of you on, on this portion. And then since we're a, a man down, you don't have to limit yourself to, to two. Uh, we can you can talk a little bit more on it, but I'll start with, uh, with Alex on this one. Yeah, honestly, the whole battle in Edu was super cool. Just love seeing it. Just all the action play out and share it with his little bowcaster too. Really love seeing that as well. <laughs> Just blindly firing, taking on the TIE fighter. Um, brilliant scene. Um, once again, that whole moral compass, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but um, how K2 was like, hey, I saw his rifle in the sniper position. Um, knowing that he had this mission, he had to take out Galen, um, but then at the end he he didn't. So for me that was powerful because at the end of the day you're disobeying direct orders from your superior because you know that's probably not the best idea. So we really get to see that that moral compass a little bit more in some of these characters, making these characters a little more deeper and more relatable to us. Because like you kind of mentioned, it's it's the tough choices. But sometimes those tough choices aren't always the right choices. And we kind of get to see that a little bit more, um, especially with the whole Krennic line um, with, the, the, with the Death Star workers. And then again, just kind of mowed them all down because no one kind of spoke up until Galen spoke up and he still kind of mowed them down. Now, granted, tough choice? No. He knew he was going to do it. It didn't matter. But that, that to me, those two scenes, the, the bombing run on Edu. And probably the the lineup of Krennic to kind of see how he kind of interacts in, I guess you could say, an uncomfortable situation really kind of stood out to me and really resonated with me because one, we kind of touched upon that morality. Two, of course, the whole action scene on Edu loved it. And three, we got to see a, a villain being a villain, even though he technically didn't want to be a villain. Uh. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and and Larissa, your your thoughts on it? Um, uh, fleeing Jeddah, when I was rewatching um, Rogue One this last week, 
The dialogue between Bodhi and Jin in that scene is amazing because those two characters have so much in common throughout the whole movie because uh, no one's taking them seriously. And Bodhi is the character that could have said at any time, like, forget this, why am I doing this again? But he wants to do it to do what is right. And that's what Galen told him. Like, you can make yourself uh, follow your heart and do what's right by this, by giving the rebels this message and no one's listening to him. And so the scene between Bodhi and Jen on the ship when Bodhi says, oh, you're Galen's daughter. He doesn't say, oh, you're that criminal. He's like, oh, you're Galen's daughter. And that's like, when you're watching the movie, that's like all Jen is trying to be the whole movie is I am his daughter. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to carry on his legacy. And man, that's a powerful scene because they're seeing each other for who they are when no one else does. Um, and then to immediately jump to Cassie and being, saying oh we're going to Edu and just like oh my gosh is that where my dad is and Kathy was like uh I think so <laughs> um man there's a lot there to give backstory to these characters that I really didn't think about until very recently that's a great point I I never even considered that um but it kind of you know like you were saying it, it humanizes it um I don't uh, one of my favorite Star Wars books is is Lost Stars I don't know if anyone has checked that out but um, it's it's kind of two people and they're going through the Imperial Academy. Um, and so you get to see the Empire from from the inside, from these, these two bottom level people. And you get a lot of that here in Rogue One as well. As these are these are the 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 grunt workers, you know, who are seeing things how how they really are. And you saying that just kind of struck a chord because to Bodhi, Galen was probably the only Imperial that was ever nice to him and, and kind and respected mm -hmm. him. Um, and it's so easy, especially like nowadays, uh, and obviously this isn't meant to get political or anything at all, but you can get polarized of this side versus that side and forget that these are actual people. And if you met any of these people, the actual person, you would you'd probably like them because they have wants and needs and likes and dislikes and all this stuff. They're, they're all real you know um and yeah that's just what sorry what you said just kind of blew my, my mind there <laughs> but uh yeah and katie's saying yeah that's in the sniper position we've already established that um they don't have a problem you know taking out their targets and to all of their knowledge this guy is uh the enemy he's the he's a, a traitor you know why would why would they ever spare him? And to for most of Jin's life, personally, that was also true. You know, this was a guy that left her intentionally, and in her mind is living it up. You know, doing this whole science thing. Um, so she wasn't fond of him until until that message. It it, it does add a lot of just depth and and character development to to all these people and. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I really enjoy it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you guys for that. You're like making my, my own brain juices, you know, flow here. Um, what was your favorite scene in that act? In that act, it would have to be, <laughs> as bleak as it sounds, um, it's, it's Krennic gunning down everyone because that, that was just, it shows you before that, you know, things could go either way. Hey, this is a guy, he's just doing a job. He doesn't know what he's doing. This was the line. He stepped over that line. He is an enemy. He is a bad guy. 
all these all these people are bad guys, but he is he he's intentionally doing wrong, and so that's that's what stands out to me. I well, here's the thing. I think originally his first thought was, I don't want to kill these people. That's not my mission here. Of course, he stepped over the line, like you kind of mentioned, and he did what he did. But I think that wasn't his intention. I think he just wanted to get the information. Whether or not he did that afterwards, that's up to him. But I think his original intention was just trying to get that information at any means necessary. And of course, as we see the Empire do numerous amounts of times using scare tactics. So I think personally, this is just my personal opinion, he was trying to get that information using the scare tactic to hopefully find out who told what to who. And then once again, once he got that, he might have left. Or he might have just said, hey, do it again, I'll kill y'all. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Do uh, you think that he was uh, embarrassed, though? Like, Because Tarkin was like, oh, yeah, it, that message came from Galen or so. It came from Edu, and Tarkin didn't know that, so he's getting shown up by Tarkin. Do you think that maybe he retaliated and killed all these scientists because he's just, it made him look bad that there was yeah. this leak on his watch? I think it, as well, it was kind of putting him in a position of power. Be like, hey, look what I can do. Oh, yeah, remember, yeah. yeah. Remember, guys, look what I can do. Y'all see this? Remember, tell your friends. <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah, and there's, there's, uh, I also feel there's, there's just, there's a lot of ego going on with, um, with Krennic. Um, and that's, I mean, that's why he's all swagged out and stuff all the time, white cape, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. Um, and I, so I, I left this off of the um, notes as well, but I also got to, I have to get your guys' opinion on Krennic going to Vader's castle. First of all, who goes there, like, intentionally, willingly, like, you know, great- yeah. I haven't talked to Vader in a while. Let's let's drop by let's drop by the crib and see how he's doing. You know, yep. um, <laughs> uh, Larissa, what, what do you think of that scene? It was uh, cool to see Mustafar um, for the first time since, I guess, excluding the cartoons, but since Revenge of the Sith, it was it's amazing that you know he tortures himself by making his office there. Like that's where he goes to chill out. Um, it, it just seems <laughs> now a little bit masochistic if that's a word um but i mean that's that's kind of their thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then of course the dad joke at the end um i did not see that coming because i I don't really think of vader as being the comedic relief but that was a good way to end that scene (laughs) vader may not be but uh, anakin was known to to turn a phrase so (laughs) i mean uh alex your thoughts on it yeah um once again Mustafar, it's such an iconic planet, and returning to it was fantastic. Loved it. Seeing his castle, amazing. But Krennic is a brave man. Brave man. Just busting through the doors, be like, where's Vader? I need to speak to him. So that being said, I mean, you got to be brave. I don't care who you are. I don't care. Hi, how are you up in the, uh, the political chain? You don't just rush in to see Vader face to face. I feel like you got to make an appointment at least two weeks ahead of time just to even get a phone call from the man. <laughs> at least that's what I would do just to be safe because I don't know. I don't know how he runs his business, <laughs> but love the interaction because we can see definitely the fear in Krennic when he especially says, "So I'm I'm still in charge," right? We kind of get to see he was dehumanized. Like you're facing an unstoppable force. 
Like, you are not going to argue. You are going to be like, all right, man, do what you need to do. I'm just going to sit back here. I'm going to ask for my permission. You give me a yes, you give me a no. That's all I need. So getting to see that scene with Vader, getting to see him, can't interact the way he did, um, was different from any Imperial that I saw. Because we, of course, we get to see the whole yes, Vader, yes, Lord Vader type thing. Yeah. But we never kind of get to see this back and forth dialogue to the point where he's physically scared to the point where he's asking Vader questions like, am I, am I in charge? Am I, is this okay? So like we, we got to see Krennic do that. We get to see Tarkin kind of boss Vader around a little bit in the New Hope. But like I kind of mentioned, we never really get to see that dialogue being held with Vader because most of the time the dialogue is like two seconds. He chokes the dude and they die if they fail. So getting to see that dialogue was kind of interesting and getting to see some of the fear in a higher ranking Imperial that's speaking to Vader without any fear of repercussion. So that, that's, that's my personal opinion on that scene. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny because uh, this, this rivalry that, Tark, that he had with Tarkin all these years, you know that that is just in his mind all of the time of like, Tarkin, you got to steal this from me. I got to put him down. I got to stop this guy. Yeah. And um, like you said, I and I'm trying to re- recall. And, I don't know, my brain's a little hazy, but I'm pretty sure Tarkin like outranked Vader, at least militarily, and that's why we kind of saw Tarkin be able to talk down to him in uh, in A New Hope. And so this is this is Krennic going behind Tarkin's back to try and get another VP at the company to to, to take his side. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go how, exactly how he planned, but. Um, it's I don't know, it just it just makes me chuckle that that scene and like you said the, the dad joke it, although it didn't seem Vader super Vader to me it felt very Anakin. Um, one thing I always that that does live in my mind a bunch is in the novelization of Revenge of the Sith after he becomes Vader and he goes to Mustafar to kill all the uh, the Separatist High Council. Um, he's taking him down and then one of the women there says you know, it's like, stop, you know, uh, Sidious promised us a handsome reward. And he looks at her and goes, you don't think I'm handsome? And he's like, oh, God. And so if it's on the same you know, kind of level as, as that, you know. Um, all right. So now we jump into, you know, the, the third act of the film, which is, uh, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. But it's the most exciting. There's, there's so much action that, that comes here. Um, so after that mission, you know, that's when they, they, they return back to Yavin base. Um, they make their, she makes her impassioned speech, which I absolutely love. You know, what, what choice do we have if they have this power? Uh, oh man, I just, I, I love that speech. And then we, you know, they're like, okay, I guess it's just, you know, us like three, we're, we're going to go. And then uh, they get a whole, a whole troop that follows them, which was, you know, the camaraderie was awesome. Uh, so yeah, from here until the end of the movie, um, and if you notice by notes, minus the, the, the Vader scene at the end, um, I'm curious, you know, what your guys' thoughts on this whole third act is. Uh, we'll start with uh, Larissa. Uh, it's amazing that Jin, uh, that impassioned speech that you mentioned, that it's amazing that she knows now that the rebels killed her dad and she's still there. She, she didn't just, you know, tell them, to go f off or whatever she's just 
she's still there fighting for her dad's mission to try to convince them, no, we need to go to Scarif, we need to do this, we have to do these things. And they're like, oh, whatever, you're a criminal, why should we listen to you? And then for them to even like throw it back in her face, like, yeah, the dying words of an imperial scientist, or imperial scientist and she's, and they're, they're just like, you told us this already. And it, it's just heartbreaking to me for Jen that they're throwing this back in her face that, yeah, your dad died and told you all this, we don't care. Like, we're just gonna stay here, it's too much for us. and. Um, but just for Jen to turn it around and to go to Cassian and them to rebel against the rebels is awesome. Yeah. That they're the fringe of the rebels is one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite Star Wars movies is because uh, they're already rebels, but to go against them, that's awesome to me. And I do kind of wonder why Cassian isn't in that scene uh, with Jen convincing them to go to Scarif because he is a captain and he would have had some pull, I would think. <laughs> He's like, you know what? I have a career ahead of me. I'm not investing on in this. Not just yet. We'll see. Um, uh, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, any, any more thoughts going forward on that? That, um, I mean, <clears throat> I can't get choked, or I can't watch it without getting choked up at the end, like with Jen <laughs> and then Cassian says to her, your father would have been proud of you, Jen, which as I've said before, like the whole movie, it's Jen trying to get to her dad, trying to live out her dad's message. So for that to be the last thing she hears, ah, oh, man. Yeah. Really good dialogue. <laughs> it, oh, I didn't even make that connection either. Man, I'm just, uh, I must be slipping. I don't know. Um, uh, Alex, your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, before I actually do that, I would love to touch quickly on the little Rebels Easter egg they put in there. General Absolutely. Chopper, I mean, like, that was brilliant. I love Rebels, so getting to hear General Sandula over the mic, I'm just like, yo, where is she at? I want to see her. I need to see her. But at least you got to see Chopper. Cool with that. Love Chopper as well. But um, honestly, the entire the entire battle of Scarif, I loved it. Beautiful, just visually action-oriented. And I, I kind of like how, um, like we kind of mentioned before, it became like the starter from the bottom that we're here type of thing, where they recruited everyone to come to this cause that they didn't even know was going to succeed. It was pretty much just a wild card. Um, getting to see everyone rile behind such a noble cause for such a noble purpose, um, just based on the word hope. I know that was the theme of the movie. And of course, um, Jen, of course, said at the end too, as well as uh, Cassian, rebellions are built on hope. So getting to see that theme played out throughout the entire movie, especially built at the end of the film, at the Battle of Scarab, super impactful, and I, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, and we, uh, <laughs> what, what did you think of the, the scene that uh, named the movie? <laughs> Rogue One? Ah, man, it was, it was clever. It was very clever. It was very clever. What I thought was more clever is just taking one line of an opening crawl in A New Hope and making an entire film out of it. So yeah. for me, that was that was big, but it was it was interesting. The Rogue One call, interesting. Yeah, I, I like it because that's like the only way that these characters live on is that is when you hear them call for Rogue Two, in Empire. Yeah. That's like yeah. that's the only callback to Rogue One that we get in the original trilogy. So. That was that was really clever on their parts, and man, <clears throat> like I remember being at Star Wars Celebration when they released the first like little teaser for Rogue One and like the energy and the hype and it was it was seeing soldiers run across this battlefield in, in Scarif 
uh, you see behind me. Um, and it was just unreal. Like this, this battle scene shows us the grittiness of this war that is always, it's always happening in Star Wars. We're just not a part of it. Um, and it, um, <clears throat> it's, you know, it's just like some of the ways that they, they put it together was just really um, fascinating to me, especially with, you know, they land and then now they have a bunch of objectives. And as soon as they land, they all know none of us are probably coming home right now. Right. Um, not to mention, you know, like, like you said, this is a fraction of the rebels you know, most of the rebels didn't want to come at all. It, <laughs> so the thing that keeps, I'm having trouble talking because I keep thinking in my head an analogy, which is me playing tank on Overwatch of yeah. like, if I don't go in, my team is going to lose. But if I go in and they don't follow me, I die and then I get blamed. You know what I mean? Like someone's just got to go. Someone's got to jump in and like handle this situation and make space. Um, and so that's that's just all I've been able to think about for the last couple <laughs> couple of minutes. But that's that's what they did, and they made the way. And as soon as they they launched, you know, that's when the Moncala fleet launched, and then everyone else is like, "All right, I guess we're doing this. Like, let's go, let's go." Um, seeing the gate, super interesting design. Never seen anything like that before. Um, that was a, a really cool addition to it. Um, and then also just getting to see this big star battle you know what i mean um and i know uh larissa you were talking a lot about like this the the intimate moments of it but you have any thoughts on the the big battle scene or yeah yeah um when you were mentioning all of that i was thinking about the, just the way and all the behind the scenes stuff that i've seen just the way that gareth edwards had this movie shot the battle and how he really dove into old war footage to make it look similar to that to give it the same gritty look and um, the 360 worlds that they built to, to make it look as real as possible to give them the freedoms with the camera wherever they wanted. Um, I'm not sure if they did that on Scarif. I know they did that on Jetta, but uh, you can really see that cause since he was inspired by the old war movies, that's what inspired the original trilogy, of course. And so that all just ties together beautifully. Um, and I, I love that they're messing with Krennic too, when they're like, oh, get on the speaker and tell him that there, there's more, another bomb going up, but there's more rebels in this location. I just love that too, because Krennic's already had a really bad day and it's just getting worse. <laughs> uh, that's a great way to put it. I, I like that. Um, and then, so we also get to see this, this, there's also two, two other things that this uh, end of the film really did for me. One, uh, I, I, I love Star Trek myself and I always hear Star Trek is science fiction and Star Wars is, is science fantasy. Um, I maintain that the first episode of, of um, The Next Generation is more fantastical than anything in Star Wars combined. You know what I mean? Like a, a sentient jellyfish space that manifests things but it's lonely and then they make Q and all this stuff. Um, <laughs> and I felt like this movie is the exact opposite. This the only thing that matters is who are you following in the movie and we're following these soldiers and that makes a huge difference. But the second point is it still gives a lot of 
uh, love to to the force because truthfully every person was only able to hold out just long enough to complete their singular part of this whole and that all came to, to a culmination with with Charit walking across to get to that console on the beach and you know that they're only missing because the force needs this to happen so that if this if this one little link doesn't happen the whole universe is lost at this point and i just i I love kind of that concept i'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on on that um alex yeah no absolutely um like you kind of mentioned everyone's death was greatly impactful in a way like you kind of mentioned everyone completed their mission and i i think they kind of saw that when they were going to Scarif for the first time. Like you kind of talked about prior, they didn't know if they were going to come out. Um, and that, that's definitely even more impactful, knowing that you're going to a place to do something for a greater good and you're not going to come out alive. So though they may not have thought of that originally, they probably had a lot of um, either second thoughts or, hey, we're going to go and see our family after this. this is going to be great. Seeing that all play out one by one by one, was definitely impactful and I think made the ending of the movie just resonate that much more with that meaning of hope because you know without these characters doing what they do we wouldn't have the original trilogy we wouldn't have the sequel trilogy we wouldn't have anything really after Scarif so getting that message of hey we have to put our faith in these people we have to put our faith in the mission and we got to put our faith in um, that message of hope really just resonated with, once again, Jin and um, Cassian's message of rebellions are built on hope. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Larissa, any thoughts on that? I haven't really thought of it that way before, that they're all completing each step of the mission um, as a way of the force guiding them. I kind of just always was like, that's my girl, Jin, going in and getting it done. Um, (laughs) That was a really interesting way to look at it. And I'll have to think about that the next time I watch the movie. Yeah, absolutely. All right, who's, whose death was the most impactful for you? Um, Lisa, we'll start with you. Uh, uh, obviously, um, Jin. Uh, I, I, I figured, I figured, but I still have to ask. Yeah. It's, it's rude if I assume. <laughs> it's, it's just a gut punch every time. Uh, every time I watch that movie. Uh, and the music is also, the score is great. And um, yeah, I would say Jin and then also Bodhi. Um, He's just doing everything he can until the last minute. And he just goes out and nobody knows who he was or where he came from, but he had like, he brought the message. Like it all came from him and he doesn't get a lot of credit. That's true. I mean, cause he's an Imperial in most of their eyes and even the rebels aren't gonna know who he is. He's a guy right. that stole a ship, you know? Right. That's, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, when that grenade falls in there, you're like, yeah, that's... So you had a bad day. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Alex, your, your thought, who's, uh, whose death is the saddest? Agreed. Uh, Jen. Jen, I mean, she carried the movie. I mean, I, I wish we kind of continued to see her in the original trilogy, but unfortunately we didn't. You know she completed her mission. She knew she completed her mission. And she kind of accepted her defeat at that point where she goes, hey, I'm just not coming out of here alive. I, I kind of accept that. And that that's kind of powerful. She I mean, she didn't even try to run away. She didn't try to hide. She didn't try to do anything. She just sat there on the beach going like, all right, well, my time has come. 
which is, it's very, it's depressing to think about, like knowing your imminent fate is right in front of your face and you cannot do anything about it, but you're, you're happy that you completed your mission. You're happy you did something for the greater good in the galaxy so that millions upon millions of people, RIP Alderaan, can live. <laughs> so um, to me, that whole message, even that like small second where they start hugging and they, they just kind of know it's coming. So to me, that was, that was really impactful. Yeah. That, also, I, I really enjoyed kind of how that scene or how this movie in general um, tr starts to try to normalize like men and women being, being friends. Cause there wasn't like a, you know, there wasn't like a, like a thing there, but they they were there for each other for who they were, yeah. and that was that was really cool. Yeah. Um, K2's death hit me the hardest. I got a quick question. Go, go ahead, Alex. <laughs> What's your both thoughts? Because I know we forgot to talk about this. Because I love these guys so much. Shore troopers and death troopers. They were like they were in the movie for the first mm -hmm. time. We yeah. Um, I, well, I'm. Alyssa, uh, sorry, Larissa, you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Um, the Death Troopers are awesome. It's cool that they speak on this like special frequency that no one can understand because they're like super elite, I guess. And I um, just love the look of the armor of the Shore Trooper as well. Although they're not wearing um, like board shorts. Uh, it seems like they should be. <laughs> they're on scarf. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I love that because I love that the utility of, of the Empire because, you know, short troopers are going to wear different things because they have a different job. If you're if they're on Scarif, you're not, it's not like you're leaving. You don't get shore leave. You're on the shore. Um, so you, you have different gear. Uh, the, the death troopers as well, having them be kind of the canonized version of shadow troopers, um, mm. sort of. You know, where they are, you know, they're augmented, um, they're huge, they're enormous. Uh, if you see them next to everyone else, they're like, I think you, you have to start at like six foot five to be, to be a death trooper and then augmented on top of that. Um, definitely imposing. And then also the juxtaposition of seeing Krennic wearing the all white and his troopers are all black versus Vader yeah. in all black versus troopers in all white. That's just really cool. Uh, we also got a lot of different things as well here because the walkers on the planet, much taller, but they are walking through taller trees. There's water there. There's, there's different types of things, as well as we have the, um, the first time that we saw the different type of TIE fighters because there's a big shield over this planet. These things are meant to fly in atmosphere. Obviously, they're going to have a, a design that really is about flying in atmosphere where you actually need lift and things like that, you know, that a regular TIE fighter doesn't get. That, that made me think of something, because this is the same time uh, Tarkin was thinking about the TIE Defender project. So why do you think they approved the Striker, but then not the Defender? Uh, my thoughts immediately just go to... Go to you know the the cost of operating like uh the the you know wings on the tie fighter are the actual engines and you know keeping a similar i mean all they really were changing on the strikers is the shape of the wings in order to get more lift um versus the other ones which to me is represent a completely different design and a different weapons package and all that stuff um had they gone with that project uh yeah the the 
the rebels would have been toast but uh <laughs> you know it, it is what it is uh that's that's what happened um all right and so we oh and, and like i was saying you know k2's death is is what really got me you know he got handed his his gun just like he wanted that whole time um and he didn't really like Jin this entire time um <laughs> But just having him, you know, just just stand his ground and having a droid understand that his death was imminent and like, all right, well, I'm sealing you guys in, you know, I'm making my last stand. Uh, to me, that that's that struck a chord with, with me. Uh, but yeah, so we, we got through, you know, what seems to be the end of the movie. <laughs> but we, anyway, we also have this this epic space battle happening and, you know, Tarkin arrives uh, <laughs> and is is going to take out the planet that Kranicus is currently on. And also he's like, Vader's Star Destroyer is is incoming and he's going to take care of the fleets. So this is, you know, we got that one-two, you know, Tarkin-Vader punch. Um, that that hallway scene. Whew. All right. I want to take us out to, through the end of the movie. Uh, start with Alex. So, Vader hallway scene. Unless we're talking Tarkin blowing up Scarif. Blowing up Scarif. Both, both all of it. Okay. Blowing up Scarif, you can kind of see it coming. Tarkin's the guy, he does not care. Tarkin's the guy who's like, hey, you're in my way. You're ruining my dinner plans. So I'm <laughs> going to cancel yours. So, seeing that, Tarkin just being Tarkin, classic. Loved it. Vader hallway scene, didn't expect it. I honestly did not expect it when I first saw it. It was Vader, the Vader that I wish we would have seen in four, five, and six, because of course this was shot way, way after, but I would love to see that brutality of Vader again. Um, and of course we get to see it more in some of the Vader comics, etc. but seeing that brutality of Vader, like, literally seeing a whole bunch of rebels and mowing them all down with literally zero remorse, zero mercy. He's just going left and right. Amazing. Fantastic. And I, when I saw that, like my instant thought was like, I need more. Give me more of that. I know. Who do I have to call? Um, loved it. Loved it. And at the end, once we talked about this before, the Carrie Fisher scene really resonated with me and really resonated with the whole trilogy, kind of closing everything out and, seeing the Tampa 4 just shoot out makes you want to watch episode 4 right after. Like, literally, zero seconds, just put on the movie, let's go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Larissa? Yeah, I agree 100% with Alex. It's like uh, my husband and I, and I think several thousand people on the internet call it video game Vader, because it's the moves that you can do <laughs> in the Battlefront games, finally in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and then Tarkin just neatly tying everything up with a bow. It's like, oh, I'm solving two problems here. I'm, uh, you know, getting rid of Krennic and hopefully stopping them, which he didn't do, of course. But uh, and then, man, it's, I think it's even though I love Jin and I love that whole story, I think the last ten minutes are my favorite part of the whole movie. Um, it, it's it's everything. The sound effects. It's it's and like Alex said, it feeds right into Episode Four, and they did such a amazing job with that. It, and it's it's sobering because, I mean, it, in a way, <laughs> it mimics life of of us who 
um, if, if you guys work for large companies or anything like that, where um, you, you may, you're not the top dog. And what happens is not necessarily, you know, going to be the best for, for everyone. You know, I think back to when Krennic says, we stand here amongst my achievement, not mm-hmm. yours. In the end, what did he get for his achievement? A fat laser in the face, <laughs> you know. Um, and but but kind of the same thing on the rebel side as well, where you know all of all of them, both sides are, are lost to time. There's there's not there's not a, a true winner in these in these wars like this. Uh, but of course, that that Vader scene of him just tearing through that hallway uh, is nightmare fuel for for rebels. Um, and <laughs> there's just like. You know, what do you what do you do at this point? How do you stop him? Um, and he's the boogeyman. You know, no one really knows this guy exists because if you see him, you probably didn't make it. And the people that did make it didn't experience it really. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it definitely makes you want to watch. You know, just just go on and watch it. Um, A New Hope, and it also makes it hilarious when you watch A New Hope. And he's like, <laughs> like, we're on a diplomatic mission. And he's like, <laughs> I just saw you. <laughs> yeah. Like, we were just there. And that was a, that was a that was a different ship. I don't know. They made more than one of these things, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what were um, your, your thoughts on the last like Carrie Fisher scene? Even though it was just like a split second. Um, for me. Super depressing. I mean, we just lost Carrie, so seeing Carrie again was kind of—it was like, in a way, great, but also really depressing. Kind of seeing her in her last theoretical performance, per se. And I would love both of your opinions, both on that last, like, very quick second of Carrie, even though it was CGI. Yeah, I mean, for for me at least. Um... I, I mean, I, I love I love Carrie, and I love that it was quick, because any more, and it would have become obvious that uh, that that it wasn't her. Right. Um, I feel like I feel like the timing on the word hope is off, and I think that's that's what does it. But <laughs> but uh, it, it is it was amazing getting to see our our princess again. Uh, but uh, Larissa, what do you think? It was very unexpected to see, and um, it, it was very cool to see as well. Uh, she doesn't have any urgency, though, which makes me think that, like, how do they not know what's going on in the background? <laughs> like, they're just kind of hanging out. She's just standing there. They're not freaked out. But um, no, just remembering back to December of 2016 when all that was going on. Was, yeah, extremely uh, poetic, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. I want to th- thank you guys for, for talking about this movie with me. It just, whew, I, I love having these conversations. It really does, like, it, it makes my week. I have all this new stuff to consider. Um, every, every week, every week I, I watch the movie before the episode, and then after the episode, I have to watch the movie again because there's all these new points that have been brought down. So that's, uh, it's, it's a good problem. It's a good problem to have. Um, uh, so I, I want to kind of go around and hear if you guys have, you know, your overall thoughts. Uh, what did you feel was the, the theme of the film? Um, and yeah, we'll just do overall thoughts and theme. 
um, uh, Larissa? Uh, we've said it before, but you never hear about any of these characters again. Um, and that makes them relatable because like so many real people have done amazing things that we don't even remember who they are. And it, that, that just stays with me watching the original trilogy that you, they don't even mention, like Leia is taking all the credit for having these Death Star plans. Uh, but then like, you now know this, yeah. what links all of these crazy, all these crazy things that normal people did uh, to get to this moment. And that's kind of the theme for me is that, oh no, it's normal people doing amazing things. It's not a Jedi doing amazing things. It's not a princess or whatever doing amazing things. It's regular people that made a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Alex? Yeah, so I think I've said this before. Um, the main theme of my Rogue One experience is once again, hope. Um, Jin was hopeful to see her dad again. Um, the rebellion was hopeful to beat the empire. Remember, rebellions are built on hope. So that overall theme of the message of hope and getting to see it played out from literally start to finish, from we are hopeful to get these plans, we are hopeful to win this battle, we are we are hopeful to hopefully connect Jin to her father again. We're hopeful that Saw Guerrero can take care of Jin at a young age. There's a lot of this unknown, but that that's kind of what Star Wars is about when you're kind of watching it from start to finish. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen to the Empire. You don't know what's going to happen to the, the Republic. It, it, we, it was like a whole theme of the whole film of hope. And kind of throughout the nine trilogies, too, we're always hopeful for these characters to do more, see more, and act more. Um, but really, this really resonated with that word hope so much more in this film, in my personal opinion. Um, and at the end, when when the whole Scarif base kind of exploded and Jin died, I know she was thinking, I'm hoping the rest of the galaxy is okay due to my actions. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how, um, because we have uh, Element 7 is here in the chat as well. And you know, he, he mentions specifically about the, the will of force and that it doesn't, uh, it, the, the presence of the force doesn't take away from any person's actions. Ultimately, that person has to succeed on their own. Um, if not, the force you know, can reroute, reroute, so to speak. It doesn't determine if someone is successful, but it, it, is, it is with all of the people here, right? right? And it just makes me think of, you know, you how we can kind of apply it to our lives is you still have to do the thing because nothing's going to do it for you. Um, you know, and that, that belief, that hope, and or, or maybe the force can help give you that extra, that little boost, but it's still you. It's still you doing the thing. It's, it doesn't take away your agency. Um, and so that's, that's one of the, the, the things that I love here. Um, overall, I, I keep coming back to this uh, dual theme of all Star Wars is that um, your past does not define you um, you know and that that goes for Luke, Ray, Anakin and Jin you know the, the daughter of the person that built the, the, the Death Star uh, so that, that past didn't so she, so she has ties on the imperial side, but also ties with the terrorist side with with Saw, um, and you know that that doesn't define her. And so you're not defined by your past. And then the second one is that good is what you do, not who you are. And so you can't bank off of a legacy or like okay, well, 
you know, I don't think I'm a bad person. You still have to do good in order to, to be good. And so those are the two themes that, that kind of, um, that kind of touched me. And also, uh, just want to add that for me, the most emotional part of the film was when they're looking for the right file and they come across Stardust and you're like, oh man, you know, that's like, yeah. he, he does love her. Uh, and I just thought that was, that was wonderful. But uh, now I just want to go around, you know, we've, we've got the, the whole movie in hand. I'm curious if, um, how this interacts, you know, now, I've started this podcast now that we have all nine films. We have all Clone Wars, we have Rebels, we have Resistance, we have all of this, these books and, and comics, all this material. Um, how does this fit in? You know, does this Rogue One change your opinion, or your thoughts on everything else? Um, and then also, I want to find out, you know, if you have any closing remarks and where can we find you? I'll start with uh, Alex. Yeah, um, for me, I know I kind of talked about the message of hope, and I think that really kind of tied into a new hope. The hope that Jin made for the galaxy really resonated with the whole film of A New Hope, too. Um, getting to see that closed out, incredible. Um, overall film, fantastic. Where I kind of fit in with my theoretical canonical timeline, it didn't really affect me from, of course, the prequels and the Old Republic style, but from going forward from the original trilogy, kind of understanding the, the gray areas of what the rebels were able to do or what had to be done in certain situations, like you kind of talked about prior, the hard choices, and kind of seeing the empire the way they were back then, um, really trying to spread through fear throughout the galaxy. I know um, Krennic, that's what um, he kind of mentioned when he was talking to Galen the first time. And Galen said, hey, you're confusing hope with terror. And then Krennic said, well, I mean, you got to start somewhere. So getting, getting that and kind of understanding where the Empire is then and kind of how they built up to the Return of the Jedi and how they're really evolving and same thing with the Rebellion. They kind of, they probably still had a lot of those hard choices to deal with, but we never really got to see it resonate too much in the films. Um, and the Rebels, of course, kind of evolved too. They kind of learned from their past mistakes. They kind of understood what sacrifice was and understood how to kind of carry on that message of hope throughout the entire um, four, five, and six films. Um, so for me, that was that was my end um, of this. Like I said, loved it. Really impacted four, five, and six more than it did seven, eight, nine, or one, three, and three. Nice. Yeah, thank you. And, and also, where can we find you online? Oh, yeah, uh, TikTok. F-O-O-D-U-X, kind of like my username. Um, and that boy Alex on Twitter. Okay. Uh, and also, Alex, love your content. I would also love to see you on YouTube. Uh, hopefully that, yes. that, that'll be coming thank soon. You, but uh, yeah, okay. yeah, thank you. <laughs> and uh, Larissa, the same to you. Now that we have you know, all this material, how, how does this affect it? And uh, where can we find you? Sure. Uh, for me personally, it makes me appreciate the original trilogy so much more. Uh, as I've, we've talked about, um, just the sacrifice of these people that led to four or five and six. I just, I love that. Then I also love the genius um, that, you know, that you find when you're looking for answers on the internet. And I found it with The Last Jedi. Everyone was upset about the hyperspace tracking, but then you go back to this movie when they're looking mm -hmm. for the project code names. And that's one of the ones that Jen rattles off is, oh, they're working on hyperspace tracking. And the, it was just genius to plant the seed in Rogue One 
so that it, there was like, a, I don't know, proof that it was existed before The Last Jedi came out. That was pretty smart on their part. Yeah. And <laughs> um, I am on TikTok, Sunflower Stardust, and also Instagram. My TikTok is a little, it's a bunch of random stuff at the moment. It's a lot of like silly little skits, but then also my Jenner So Cosplay. Silly little skits. No, they they are are excellent skits. So, <laughs> um, uh, all right. So, final thing, right? Lightning round. Lightning round. Um, I'm gonna need to get your guys's favorite quotes. If you have one or two quotes from the film that you love, for me, the thing that that jumps out. I've already said the first one, which is, "We stand here amongst my achievement, not yours." I say that all the time in my household. <laughs> um, just whenever, whenever I can, I can fit it in. Um, I also say, uh, "Borgullet will know the truth." <laughs> um, and, uh, but uh, it's gonna sound stupid, but I, I one quote that um, lives rent free in my mind is, "That Star Destroyer is disabled." Just makes me <laughs> chuckle. <laughs> this makes me chuckle because all of the memes that came out, came out of it. Um, Alex, do you, you have any uh, favorite quotes? Uh, yours, for sure. Love that one. Um, the dad joke Vader did cannot, cannot go wrong. Like we kind of <laughs> mentioned, Vader's not that dad joke type of person, so getting to hear it, fantastic. And rebellions are built on hope. I don't know, that, that resonated with me a ton. Love that. Awesome. And Larissa, favorite quotes? Uh, I'd have to, it, it's <laughs> maybe just that when Jin says to um, K2SO, like, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> it's not really a quote, it's more of like an attitude of, like, he's like making small talk, like, <laughs> they're trying to, they're getting ready to go to Jen. It's just like, yeah, I remember you. I'm choosing not to make small talk with you. But <laughs> then also, just more serious is um, just that ending line with Cassie and your father would be proud of you, Jin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then Connor in the chat says, you know, uh, the famous line, I'm one with the force, the force is with me. Yes. yes, mm -hmm. yes. Um, and then also I just thought about it is, did you know that wasn't me? Element <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> uh, 7 adds, you know, the strongest stars have hearts of Kyber. Yes. So there's, there's lots, of, lots of great ones. But yeah, I, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on to the High Ground Podcast with me. Like I said, this, this podcast you, Brandon, is- You're a legend. I could listen to you talk about Star Wars all day. Oh, I, I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. And, yeah, no, it was a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> and I definitely, I'll, I'll have you guys both back uh, at some point because we, we, got, we got lots of topics. But yeah, may the force be with you always. You're welcome.